Hey there, Crosswinds family and friends. Welcome to Crosswinds Unleashed. Each week, we're dedicated to bringing you the best stories and biblical life principles from authentic believers. Our podcast breaks down the Christian life through interviews and practical instruction, and I like to say, hopefully, in a fun and accessible way. I'm Craig Cooper, the the host of this podcast and lead pastor of Crosswinds Church. As I like to do every episode, I want to give a special shout out to Elijah Merrill, our producer. Um, I like to say because it's true. Everything that works with this podcast is because of him. Anything that doesn't, well, I'll take uh, full responsibility for that. If you want to learn more about this podcast or anything Crosswinds related, head on over to our website at crosswinds.church. That's where you'll be able to find out more about this podcast and, again, all things Crosswinds. Well, I'm excited. Uh, I have a, a good friend of mine, uh, Ken DePeel. Um, this is our second conversation. Last week was our first, and so if you haven't already listened to that podcast, I encourage you to go back to last week's podcast and listen to it first. Uh, you don't have to, but some of the stuff we discussed may make a little more sense as, as he shares sort of the background, uh, sharing his story with us a little bit. Um, but we're going we're gonna to head into a conversation. Ken, thank you so much for being back with us. No, it's good to be with you. So last last week we 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 talked about the fact that uh you know here you're a pastor for like 30 years and then we ended uh in part by me saying uh which is true right 9 months ago you made a uh, an interesting transition after 30 years of of of, your, of a career and we know that you know probably for many who are listening um, when you think of being a pastor as a career, they're probably sitting there going, oh, no, you know, that's a calling, you know, but, uh, but it is a career. Uh, it's an assignment. Um, you know, it, it's a part in the body of Christ. Uh, we were talking earlier about some things that you may unpack a little bit that, you know, now that you're, you're doing something different, it gives you a whole different understanding of, of sort of the people who you've been ministering to as far as their time commitments and those type of things. Um, but at the end of the day, I like to say that we all have a calling. Uh, those of us who are in Christ have a calling to know him and make him known. We have a calling to be disciples who make disciples, no matter where we find ourselves. And I think the American church has lost its way when it thinks, well, the pastors do that. No, no, we do that. We're the church. Um, pastors have a special place in the body of Christ, but but that's an assignment, so to speak. You know, We all have the same calling. And so you're still called but you're no longer on staff as a pastor. So talk a little bit about that transition about nine months ago. Yeah. So it is a process that I'm still understanding, even as I walk it out. Uh, To give a little background, we have two sons and our one son serves with the Marine Corps, uh, lives out in Washington, DC. We live here in Indianapolis. Then our other son is a pastor serving at a church right here in Indy. So He's, you know, 20 minutes from home is where his church is located. Uh, But our oldest son, Mason, he and his wife found out that they were expecting and expecting a a child. (laughs) Just to clarify, I know that got some some people love dogs and cats. We're talking about a human being here. (laughs) So uh, they found out that they were going to have a grandchild for us and we don't have a grandchild yet. Uh, We do now. but when they announced that, I was like, oh, boy, this is going to be really challenging because they are at least 10 hours away by car. And, uh, you know, being a pastor, you get three or four weekends off a year, sometimes 
depending on the church, depending on the flexibility, you might get a little more than that. But most churches, most of my ministry career, uh, three or four weekends a year. And I found that that was a pretty unacceptable perspective for me uh, to consider. And so I began to pray and talk to God about what would it look like for me to step out of serving as a pastor at a local church, step into the secular you know, business world, the marketplace, still find a way to honor God and have the freedom and flexibility to go see my, my son, his wife, and now my granddaughter, uh, who was born last August. And so we spent a lot of time praying about it. Um, spent a lot of time talking with some really good friends about it and ultimately pulled the trigger on, okay, we're going to step away from official church work and step into uh, the insurance world. So that's what I did. Was that a difficult transition for you? As far as, was, you know, the understanding of, you know, when we when we were coming up through the ranks, um, the calling to be a pastor was almost held, in my mind, as like, this is going to sound very wrong, and I mean it that way, actually. It was almost sound as a higher calling than when you came to Christ. It was like this, this uh, the way they would talk about it was if, you know, man— only the elite got to be, you know, the few, the proud, like your son, the few, the proud, the Marines. So it was like the few, the proud, the, the pastors. And of course, that's mm-hmm. just not true when we look at scripture, but it, I felt like it was presented that way awkwardly. So sometimes. Yeah, it was very challenging for me. In fact, uh, full disclosure, there's still days when some of the things that people said to me during that season of praying about it uh, still come to mind and are still challenging hurtful. Um, but there was a lot of encouragement as well, but I, I agree with you, I think, and rightly so. I appreciate that. I grew up in an environment that, that challenged us to consider that being a pastor is a high calling. Yeah, uh, it is. There's a responsibility. I mean, you're representing God to God's people, higher accountability. Uh, there's a higher level of accountability. Um, you know, they say he who, he who teaches learns twice but he who leads, oh boy, you you better make sure you're living right because God really watches um, the integrity of those who lead, uh, particularly in those those pastoral roles. And uh, I was not shirking that responsibility. You know, I had some people that as soon as I mentioned that I was considering stepping away from full time church work as a pastor. You know, they immediately like, oh, what, what's what's wrong? Are you and God okay? And it's like, yeah, God and I are great. Uh, are you are you in the church? And and I worked most recently. I worked here in Indy at a an incredible church with multiple campuses, over twelve thousand people. Northview Church. I told people, yeah, Northview and I are fine. And they said, well, you worked at Westfield. Todd's the campus pastor there. He was your boss. Are you and Todd okay? Yeah, Todd and I are great. Like everything's fine. Well, since since those didn't apparently get the response people wanted, then they went after my marriage. They're like, "So are you and Karen okay?" Oh, Karen and I are great. In fact, I will tell you this: Karen and I are better than ever because it's the first time in almost thirty years that Karen and I have the same weekends, the same days of the week off together. 
And so that's interesting. We haven't had that. Uh, but people asked about my marriage. People asked about uh, my personal life. Were there compromises in my personal life that were leading me to step away from this calling that God had? And all of those were no. I'm actually stepping into a season of life where, uh, based on multiple factors, it it just seemed like, and I had a lot of sense of peace and release from God about it, that this is a season of life for me to pour into my family, to pour into opportunities with the community in ways that I've not been able to pour in. And uniquely, God brought me a friend who's now my boss, who has shaped the insurance agency that he oversees. I mean, it's his agency. I'm the, his name's on the sign that he has said, how can we take a for-profit industry like insurance and really make it ministry? How can we leverage that for ministry? And so you take those three things, put them together, pray about it. God gives you peace and you go, okay, God, if that's the understanding then I, I can step away in good conscience, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. I wanted to make sure that I did a few things before I did. I wanted people to know we're still going to church. We're actually still going to the same campus. We still go to Westfield. I still serve on the worship team. I play keys once a month. Uh, Karen still serves as a greeter. She help, helps welcome first-time guests to our church. We lead a life group. I'm leading a mission trip to Uganda this summer. We wanted, we wanted uh, and we felt it was very important for people to see that even though I was stepping away from pastoral vocational ministry, that I'm still a member of the body of Christ called to serve the local church and should be in some ways visible, like seen for what we're doing. I think there are times when it's important for other Christians to see that, oh, he's serving. You know, for people to see me and Todd, my former boss, to see us in the lobby, laughing, joking, talking together, that all things are truly good relationally with, with us. So uh, that was very important. And so we've continued that to this day. Well, that's great. Uh, you know, one of the things that I was excited about, you being able to share a little bit, and maybe even more importantly, being an example of, is the reality that, like, when you say yes to Jesus— you say yes to ministry. Yeah. Like, like that's not a separate call that when, you know, when Jesus says, you know, anyone who wishes to follow me needs to deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. He's talking about a life of, of knowing God and, and making him known. And wherever you find yourself, I like to say, whether it's in your home, your neighborhood, your workplace, you know, your school. Um, wherever you find yourself, right, that that you're you're to be a minister of the gospel, and you're a part of the church in a sense of the 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 church structure, but you are the church. Like you know, you are the church. I'm the church. You're the church. When when we look in scripture, uh, sometimes it means a building, but more times than not, it's speaking of the people that make up the ecclesia, if you will, the the church of God. And, mm-hmm. and so when I when I look at what you just shared. No, you're no longer a paid member of a church staff, but you're still a fully devoted minister of the gospel. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think there are actually some, I mean, there are pros and cons both ways, right? But as a pastor, there were times where being a pastor and announcing to someone, you know, when somebody says, hey, what do you do for a living? 
as soon as I say I'm a pastor or I'm a minister or whatever my specific church job title is or was, immediately conversation shuts down, right? Because that triggers for people some past experience with a church or a pastor or a Christian. Uh, I, I remember golfing in Buffalo years ago with a couple of uh, police officers. Actually, they were off duty that day and I'm golfing. My friend Dan and I golf with a couple of Buffalo's finest, right? And for whatever reason, they didn't ask what I did for a living until the turn. And the first nine holes, they'd been cussing and drinking and carrying on. And we get up to tee off and the guy says, hey, Ken, we forgot to ask you, what do you do for a living? And I said, guys, I'm a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And these guys all of a sudden went from some of the things they'd been saying with a bad shot to, oh, gosh, darn it. Oh, (laughs) you know, and their language changed, their attitude changed. And and I'm not saying I wanted them to keep like being obnoxious and swearing like they had been and other things, but there is something about now being an insurance agent. When I tell people that, that's not really shocking. In fact, some people would say it's kind of boring. But then when they see that I talk differently, I think differently, I act differently, it's a little bit intriguing compared to when they knew I was a pastor. Now they're like, well, yeah, of course, that's the way he is. He's a pastor. But now, now they have to figure out what's different about this everyday insurance guy. What's different about him? Why doesn't he say some of the things that we say or joke about some of the things that other people joke about? Why does he, you know, it's just interesting to process that kind of a, that, that kind of a perspective. And I think that's the beauty of most people in your church and in most churches is any profession, you know, any profession, you can leverage that for kingdom purposes in your relationships, in your conversations, and just make people like excruciatingly curious about why you follow God when you don't have the weight of that pastoral mantle on you, but you still act and think and talk like a, like a deeply devoted Christ follower, make them so curious. They don't know what to do do with themselves. Yeah. And I, I think that makes sense. I mean, that's, that's why when Paul describes what, how the church is a function and he's talking about pastors and the equippers, if you will, in the church, he says, you know, you're the equip, uh, the church, the people of the church, so that they can do the work of ministry. Not that my work of ministry, for the most part, is equipping the people of the church to do the work of the ministry, uh, because yeah. they can have conversations and be in places that I'll never have the opportunity to be in as a pastor. Uh, yeah, I mean, they, you know, most of the church, they see me. Yeah, I have the great opportunity and privilege of, of preaching the gospel every weekend. I, I, I don't want to trade that. I, I'm glad. That that's something I... I feel like the Lord has has called me to do, um, but um, there are times where I look at those who are not on staff at a church, like we're talking, and they're in they're in a school, you know, and and they're they're a clerk at a at a place or they're a shorts agent, for instance, you know, and, and um, the part of me that really hungers to have those spiritual conversations, with especially with people who aren't churched. It's more difficult for me, and and I actually, in some ways, envy those who can have the conversations you're able to have now, and many of the people within Crosswinds and other churches are able to have with people because they don't have the title. Because you're right, I've had the same type of situation where once someone finds out I'm a pastor, 
um, they either shut down or they become the prize Sunday school student or prize small group participant, right? All of a sudden, they're, they're, they're a Jesus person, you know, and even right. if they don't know how to, which even becomes even more awkward, um, you know, and, and, um, <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm not ashamed of being a pastor. I'm not. But I, I'm not as forthcoming with that information for that very reason. I want people to get to know me before they hear that, and I want to have honest conversation before that. And, and you're experiencing that, and so that, that must be an interesting thing for you. After a, you know over three decades uh, of being on staff as a as a pastor at a church, um, paid vocational. We use that word vocational ministry because even here at Crosswinds, we have paid staff and unpaid staff. Even part of our teaching team, we have people here on our teaching team who aren't paid staff, but they're pastors here in our church, um, but uh, have other careers. They're bivocational. Sure. But for you to be able to do that, talk to me about that, but, but you're still a minister of the gospel. Like when you told the person, I'm a minister of the gospel on that golf course, you're still a minister of the gospel. You're just no longer a pastor on staff at a church. You're an insurance agent who's a minister of the gospel. Well, yeah, and Craig, I, I want to answer that, but I also want to say I think sometimes, you know, the challenge in the church world for staff are to realize, you know, people only have so much time to give to the organized church, because a lot of times people are spending the majority of their life outside the the, the walls of the church, right? Uh, whether it's in their job or full time at home with their kids as a full-time parent or full-time homeschooling or, you know, whatever they're doing, they're spending a lot of time away from the church. And so there's no way that a staff at any church can provide every opportunity. Like if you look at like here are roles to serve in the church, you can't provide every role that every person's going to fill and fit. And so some of it is up to the church staff to say, we can't do that. And in fact, I don't know that we should do that. It's also up to people who aren't working for the church full-time to say, well, if, if Craig or whoever didn't tell me this is a way I can serve, then, oh, well, no, you've got to get along with God and figure out where does God want me to serve? How does God want me to serve? And whether Craig or any of the pastoral or ministry staff ever know that I did it, who cares? Yeah. God, God called me to do it. I'm going to do it. And it might be a secret until we reach heaven that anybody knows that I did this ministry thing that God called me to do. Um, that being said, I mean, I, I look at opportunities that I have every day, you know, I have clients calling in right for home auto life insurance. And, uh, you know, you think, well, okay, so that's financial. You're sitting, you're quoting people, you're trying to get a great rate, right? You're trying to, you know, beat the competition. I'm a broker. So we represent multiple companies. So if you tell me you like, the mayhem commercial or flow, or you don't like mayhem or flow, like, okay. <laughs> uh, but beyond the rates, beyond all of that, I start hearing stories about people's lives. Yeah. I hear about the, the, the widow who's recently been widowed and is having to sell her, her husband, who's now deceased, having to sell his, his pickup truck, which is that an insurance issue? Sure it is. But there's a there's a relational issue there, right? To say, man, this got to be really hard because of what that truck represents. Yeah, like her husband of over thirty years drove that truck every day for the last four or five years. So now I have an opportunity to say, hey, can I can I pray for you? 
And I work for a boss who said, any chance you get to pray with somebody, go for it. He's like, we're, we're a distinctly Christian agency and I'm the boss and we can do it that way because I said so. <laughs> and so I have the opportunity to pray for the widow. I have a, an opportunity to encourage the mom and dad who just found out that, you know, insurance is going to go up $150 a month because they're 15, now 16 year old starting to drive. I'm the one that gets the phone call when the 18 year old has an accident while he's away or she's away at college. And so, you know, you start doing life with these people and hearing stories about how things are going. You know, I'm the one that got a call from someone at our church. I'm no longer this couple's pastor, but they call because they're going to get separate insurance because they're separating, thinking about getting divorced. Well, I hate taking that call. Now I'll try and help them with insurance, but I'm also going to say, I hope that eventually you don't need this insurance. I hope that eventually you guys work things out, patch things up, get counseling and get back together. And I can say those things in my, now I know some people say, I can't say that in my workplace. And I get that. But, but you can do what you out, can do. You, you can do what you can do. And you can look like, what are the opportunities that I'm allowed to take advantage of? And so for me, that has been a real blessing. In fact, I have to brag on Dean for just a moment. Dean, he was so upset about the amount of couples that got divorced during COVID. Is this and your boss? My boss. Dean, Dean is my boss. It's the Dean Ballinger Agency. Dean's been doing insurance for many, many years. He's built up a great business here uh, during COVID. Uh, and this wasn't just here, you know, that all over the country, people splitting up. And I don't know if COVID caused that. Or if COVID revealed some really bad things about our relationships. And anyway, it exacerbated you know, it things, I think. Sure. It sure did. But Dean was so frustrated and saddened by that. He and his wife decided to bring in um, a, actually a really well known uh, pastor and comedian, which I know is an interesting mix, uh, but bring him in to run a date night where he's going to speak to, you know, 450, 500 people about how they can strengthen, how they can uh, encourage each other in their marriage. Mm. And Dean and his wife paid for that um, because he just wants to bless people. And wow. so I look at that and I'm like, what kind of insurance agent, what kind of boss, what kind of, you know, I mean, he's the CEO, he's the founder of this agency. And that's to me, like, that's how he's leveraging what's just kind of, you know, it's insurance. You, you could say, well, it's just, it's for profit. It's, it's a necessary evil, but man, Dean looks for ways to leverage that for kingdom purposes. And I, I love working for a guy that's just thinking vision that way uh, all the time. Is it safe to say, you know, cause I think a Dean and all that comes to my mind again is, well, he's a minister of the gospel too. Yes. You know he's part, he's 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 a fully devoted follower of Christ. Whatever 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 terminology you want to use, he he's following Jesus. He's a he's a person who's a true believer, and, and so it, I mean I I think it's safe to say push back if if you don't agree with this, but you can be a minister. You if you're in Christ, you are to be a minister of the gospel. It doesn't matter what you're doing, doesn't matter what your assignment is, doesn't matter how old you are, you're a minister of the gospel. Um, but the reality of it is you can be a minister of the gospel and not be a pastor. 
And the truth of the matter is you can have a title pastor and, and actually not be a minister of the gospel. That, that, uh, that, that really being a minister of the gospel is all about where our heart is. It's, it's all about believing God's love for us. It's all about wanting to share God's love with others. Well, I, you know, people are really taken by, and, you know, you and I saw this even in college when we were studying to be pastors, people are really taken by the opportunity to have a title or to have recognized influence, uh, even in the church world. And I'm not, I'm not trying to disparage the church at all. No, I get it. But, but, but we, you know, we use, you know, we use words like ordination. Someone's ordained to be a pastor. And so what does that do for the person who's not sensing a call to be vocationally a minister, a pastor by title? I would say we're all ordained. We're, you know, we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, kings a people and belonging, a people belonging to God, kings and priests. Like, yeah, I was fortunate to have an official title in several churches that I served over almost 30 years, but I am still called to be a part of kingdom work. I can't, I can't shirk that responsibility in the name of, well, I'm not a pastor anymore. I still have to give an account. I mean, I want to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. And last I checked, he doesn't have two different sayings. He doesn't say, well done, good and faithful pastor to some people, and then well done, good and faithful servant to others. We're all servants. Yeah, that's right. And we're all wanting to hear well done. And so for me, having lived on both sides of this, still trying to figure it out day to day now, uh, I want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. And so I've got to stay proactive. I've got to stay leaning into Jesus. I will say in some ways that's been more challenging. Um, it is nice. <laughs> and I'm not encouraging any of your listeners to do this. It's nice once in a while to watch online or to listen to the message. Yeah, please. No one needs to be encouraged about that. <laughs> yes. But I, but I'll tell you yeah. this, I've already learned, I've already learned this. Man, when I'm not there in person, I miss it. Yeah, and I think, and I think I'm missed because I think I think the body of Christ needs me, needs Karen, needs us there serving. And I know not every not every serving opportunity is is seen or recognized, right. but I do think it's good for the body of Christ to see each other serving. Yeah, there's just an encouragement that comes from seeing other people serving other people. So. Anyway, I the Apostle Paul spent his whole career as a tent maker. Yeah. He was a tent maker. Yeah. Now I know, I know we could get into it. That's probably another podcast about the replacing, you know, Judas and the apostleship and all that. But he was a tent maker. Yeah. Who happened to do some phenomenal things for the kingdom as a tent maker. Yeah. Just an average guy with an extraordinary calling. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, and I, I, you know, as we sort of wrap up our time together, and then I'm going to ask you a final question. But you know, I want to be really clear here. I, I, I'm not trying to minimize the the assignment I have as a pastor. I, I think mm-hmm. that that's a lot of responsibility, um, as we said in the last podcast, and, and sort of have referred to here a little bit. I mean, the scripture is really clear: is higher accountability to those in leadership, and so it's it's a sobering reality. It, it's an honor to serve as a pastor. And so I'm not trying to diminish that. 
And so if someone feels called into pastoral, full-time vocational pastoral ministry, working for a church staff that way, I'm not trying to discourage that at all. But I'm trying to what what we've been talking about here, and what, why reason I asked Ken on is because I thought he, he he is he is a great example of this. Is he's a minister of the gospel? He was a minister of the gospel. He was a pastor. He's a minister of the gospel. Now he's an insurance agent. And if you're a follower of Christ, you're a minister of the gospel. You're, you're called to know him and make him known and be disciples mm-hmm. who make disciples. And and the way that the church honors God, and when I talk about the church, I mean us, us followers of Jesus. The way we honor God is is by realizing that. And allowing ourselves to be used by him wherever we find ourselves, wherever we find ourselves, whether that be um, gathering as the church on weekend services or in your workplace or schools. And uh, uh, one of the things that I, that I appreciate so much about Ken and being able to to sort of be an observer of his life is his consistency. And, uh, you know, we're both works in progress. We're not perfect. We're still on the journey of becoming like Jesus. And more and more, uh, we're, you know, as the scripture says, we're becoming more and more like him every day. Um, but, but the reality of it is his consistency. He, he's serving God where he's at, and he served God when he was on staff at a church. That, that has not changed at all. And so that, that's what I want to encourage the listeners to usually, I ask, uh, you know, others to, to speak into that, you know, who are, who are being interviewed, but just, as a lead pastor and at, at, at Crosswinds, but just a pastor, I just encourage you, if you're listening and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, God has placed you where you are as possibly a dad or a mom or a spouse or a child or schoolmate or, or, or co-worker. He's placed you there to be a minister of the gospel, to, to share his His word and to share his love with those around you. And um you may not think you're worthy, and if you're questioning that, I challenge you to go back to the last podcast when Ken wrestled with that a little bit. But the reality of it is it's not about our worth. It's about the great price that Christ paid so we can have a relationship with God. You know, it's not it's not our worth. It's, it's the value God places on us when he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's a hot price um, to pay for us, and, and it's because of him that we're able to be a part of this great work of building his kingdom. Ken, I'm going to ask you one final question, and uh, as I uh, as I went on a little rant there, um, here it is. <laughs> if you could give one one last word to our listeners, what what would that be? You know, honestly, I, I had a feeling you were going to ask that, and I would say two things. First of all, you are not insignificant. Like you are not insignificant. I, I think sometimes people think, well, I'm not a pastor. So, you know, what I'm doing, does it really matter? And my answer is wholeheartedly, yes, it does. Absolutely matters. Yes. The other, the other thing I would mention, and I don't know if they're completely related, but I think this is equally important. People are watching you more closely than you think. Mm. You know, people always think that pastors have to have it all together and they should try and have it to, as together as they can. But I would say the average Christian needs to remember people are watching you closer than you think and your influence, how you think, how you talk, how you act, what you do, where you go, what you're doing, who you're doing stuff with. People are watching that. They're not just watching the pastor. They're not just watching the church as a whole. They're watching the church as you, you represent Jesus. So be discerning, make good choices. Yeah. Because people are watching. You have great influence. You're not insignificant. You have great influence to the day-to-day. The guy, the guys, the men and women on the job, 
the, the other students at school and college or in high school or junior high, people are watching you and they are greatly influenced by you, whether you know that or they ever tell you that or not. Like that's just huge. Ken, that's great. Thank you so much for being a part of the this podcast and last week and taking time out of your out of your busy schedule to to be a part of this with us. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, once again, remember, uh, join us next week as we uh, continue on in our podcast journey. Also, uh, check out crosswinds.church where you can learn all things crosswinds and more about this podcast. Thank you for taking the time to, to be a part of this podcast by listening. I never take that for granted. For those of you who are listening, it is a great privilege to think that you would take your valuable time and, and, and listen to what we have provided here for you. And so I hope you'll join us next week. And uh, for now, be blessed and bless others. 